0: Today we want to talk a little bit about the book of Proverbs, which is what uh, Greg and Brad have been introduced here as a, a topic to discuss, and I was just thinking, well, what would be one of my favorite verses in the book of Proverbs? I wasn't exactly sure where to go in Proverbs, but this is really, has been one of my favorite verses from my earliest days as a Christian, Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6. It's just one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Certainly in the book of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge or submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And I just love that promise. And I got to say I haven't always uh, held up my end of the bargain on that. Uh, I uh, My ways have not always been straight. There's been mistakes or some regrets or challenges or difficulties, problems. And maybe sometimes it's because I've not always acknowledge God or trusted in him as I ought to. And uh, yet we're told here in this verse as we learn to trust in the Lord more and more with all of our heart and not just lean on what we think is right, not just lean on what uh, our own understanding dictates to us, but learning to trust Jesus in what he says and who he is, uh, all of our ways submitted to him, he'll make our lives straight and of course and maybe more importantly He'll be glorified through our lives. So that's an important verse. And I was just thinking, trusting in the Lord, how do we do that? Sometimes I don't think I do it as well as I'd like to and as as much as I should. But I think one key to trusting God is this verse, Psalm 910. And that's to know him. Those who know your name will trust you. They'll trust you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And so I think a big key to trusting God The Lord is to know the Lord and know that he's compassionate. Really, even to know that Jesus, when he was on earth, to know that he was God. And as we come to that knowledge, our trust will follow. And that's it occurred to me is what Luke was trying to do in the Gospel of Luke so I'm kind of shifting from Proverbs to Psalms and now to Luke. Because I think in the Gospel of Luke Luke is trying to help people know who Jesus is so that they could trust him with their lives. One thing that he did for example pointed out Luke in Luke 7:48 Luke uh, pointed out that Jesus, in the story he shared there, that Jesus uh, could forgive sins. And so what is Luke trying to convey to these people? He wants people to understand that Jesus is God, because only God can forgive sins. That's in Luke 7:48. And then another story in Luke 8, 22, and I could read a little of this story, Luke 8, 22. It starts out in verse 22, Now, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat, and he said to them, Let us go to the other side of the lake the Sea of Galilee. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep. And a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger in the ship. And they came to Jesus, they woke him up, and they said, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he got up and he rebuked the wind, he, the surging waves, and they stopped and it became calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? They were fearful and they were amazed. And they began to say to each other, who is this? Who is Jesus? And little by little, Jesus was revealing himself to them. It's not that easy, though, to convince people you're God. You know, to imagine trying to convince a bunch of people you're God. It's not that easy, right? And even with all these signs, people were still wondering. Even John the Baptist, uh, who grew up with Jesus, he was Jesus' cousin. When he was in prison, about to be beheaded, he sent some of his people to Jesus, and he said, ask Jesus if he's the one. Are you the one? You know, are you the Christ? Are you the Son of God? And Jesus quoted a scripture and sent it back to John. Uh, what does it say in the Bible? The dead are raised, the, healed are, the, the lame are healed, uh, the sick are, are healed. And Jesus quoted the scripture that prophesied of him. And that's what he sent to John. But even John was wondering, who is Jesus? And uh, the disciples were wondering, who is Jesus? But little by little, story after story, through the gospel of Duke, Luke, Luke is establishing this fact. Jesus is God. He forgives sins, no one else. He has control over nature, no one else. Luke 8, 26 It begins, "...then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is the opposite side of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. And when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man from a city who was possessed with demons." And who had not put on any clothing for a long time. And was not living in a house but among the tombs of dead people. And seeing Jesus he cried out and fell before him and he said in a loud voice what business do we have with each other? Jesus son of the most high God. These demons knew who Jesus was. I beg you do not torment me the demon said from the voice of the man. And he commanded the unclean Spirit to come out of the man, for it had seized him many times. And this man was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard. And yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? To the demon inside the man. And the demon said, Legion is our name, for we are many. And they were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain. And the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine. And he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it to the city, uh, in the city, and out in the country. And the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus, and they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. It's interesting. They were afraid of Jesus. The demon-possessed man loved Jesus. He knew how compassionate Jesus was. Sometimes we don't see God clearly for who he is. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well, verse 37, and all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked Jesus to leave, now you'd think they'd want him to stay. But they were wanting him to leave. Even when throngs of people were trying to get to Jesus, they were so afraid of his power and authority, they asked him to leave the country. They were gripped with fear. And he got into the boat and he left. But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. He wanted to go with Jesus, the man that had the demons cast out of himself. But Jesus sent him away, and he said, Return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So Jesus refused him. He said, "You, You can't come with me. You need to go back to your home and tell your family what great things God has done for you. So he went away, and he proclaimed not just to his home. He proclaimed throughout the whole city. Well, great things Jesus has done. There's another gospel account where Jesus went back to the Gerasenes area again. This time they accepted him. They wanted Jesus to return. And I think it's because of the testimony, the witness of this demon-possessed man who stayed there and continued to speak of Jesus and what Jesus had done for him. He opened the way for Jesus to return. But Jesus has power over the supernatural power over the nature power to forgive power over diseases Luke eight forty two. 42 uh, there is a woman it describes who had a hemorrhage for many many years and she could not find healing she sought to just touch Jesus clothing if she could just touch his clothing she thought maybe she would be healed And even though the throng was pressing around Jesus, you know, this happened to me once. I went to Mexico City with my brother-in-law once to a school. My brother-in-law was doing fundraising at the school in Mexico City. And this was more like an orphanage. I bet there was hundreds and hundreds of kids, and they'd never seen a, a gringo before, these guys. And here I was. I was a bullseye surrounded by a hundred kids. They're all trying to touch me. That's what it was like. Just all these people just packed in. It's an amazing feeling, by the way. And yet Jesus all of a sudden felt power leave him. And he said, who touched me? And his apostles couldn't imagine what would this mean. Hundreds are touching you. But one touch was in faith. And it was the woman who reached out to touch him in faith. And... Jesus' power went out, and she was healed. You see, Jesus is God. He could cure this disease, even by her just touching his clothing. And then Jesus also had power over death, the little 12-year-old girl. But many, many others, we only know of a few, really, in the Bible. Lazarus, the 12-year-old girl, how they were raised from the dead. This girl had already died. And Jesus went to the home. The mother and father were there. Three of his apostles went in with him. And he raised a 12-year-old girl from the dead. Jesus is God. So again, Luke, with story after story after story after story after story, and many more, is trying to establish the fact Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus also delegated this authority to his apostles. He sent them out on mission, Luke 9, 1, where they could heal. But it was through the authority of Jesus. He gave them the power, but Jesus had the the authority. Jesus has the authority and the power to heal. But he delegated... to his apostles to do the same thing. And they went out in groups of 70, 35 teams of two would go out ahead of Jesus to the cities in advance of Jesus' visit as he was going to Jerusalem. These 70 people, 35 teams of two, would go in advance of Jesus to prepare the way for Jesus. Jesus wants to reach the world with the gospel too, just like Firehouse does. Or I should say Firehouse wants to just like Jesus did. And that's what's on Jesus' heart. He wants the world to know he's God. He wants the world to know that he's compassionate. He wants the world to know that he they can be healed of their illness and they can be raised from their deaths. He wants them to have wants us to have hope in our lives for all the things we face and he wants us to trust him for our lives. And if we know him we will trust him. This uh, demoniac guy, he trusted Jesus. And when you know who Jesus is, you want to proclaim him. That woman that was healed, I guarantee you, she proclaimed Jesus. The demoniac proclaimed Jesus. The parents of the 12-year-old girl, they were proclaiming Jesus. The word was, that world was just shaken shaken up in ways we just can't even imagine. Everybody began to raise the question, who is this Jesus? Who is he? John 21 25, I was always amazed by this verse. Jesus did many things. Luke lists some of them. John 21-25 says Jesus did so many things. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written listing everything Jesus did. Again, we just have a small little sampling in the book, in the Bible of what Jesus did. It's enough to give us a good idea though who Jesus is. And again, Uh, That world was being shaken. The big question that was being asked is, Who is Jesus? John the Baptist was asking that question. Who is Jesus? John asked that in Luke 7, 19. Uh, People everywhere were asking this question. Who is this Jesus? Look what he's doing. Who is he? I mean, you don't necessarily conclude that this person you can see is God. You know, who is he? You wonder. But you don't come to that conclusion that he's God that's just a big step to take. And then Herod in Luke 9, uh, 7 through 9, he began to wonder. Along with all the people, Herod was the king. And all the people in his little kingdom there of Judea, they were wondering who Jesus is. Herod was wondering. Some were even saying he's John the Baptist. In Luke 9, 7 to 9, Herod said, well, he can't be John the Baptist. I cut John's head off. How could he be John? Well, maybe he is. Could John have raised from the dead no maybe he's Elijah many people are saying he's Elijah risen from the dead maybe others are saying maybe he's one of the prophets risen from the dead or come back to life Then Jesus began to bring his apostles to the side. They'd been with him for a long time now. He had fed the 5,000 miraculously and all these other miracles we read about in Jesus. And Jesus in Luke 9, 18 to 20 brought his apostles, his 12 men together. And he asked them, who do you say that I am? Everybody's asking because of all these things that are happening. Who do you say that I am? And it happened that while he was praying alone, uh, the disciples were with Jesus and he questioned them saying, who do the people say that I am? And they answered and said, well, John the Baptist, Others, uh, Elijah, Herod was wondering this. Herod was trying to find Jesus. He was seeking Jesus to try to meet him. Maybe one of the prophets of old is risen again. They just didn't know who this Jesus was. Everybody wanted to know. There were literally tens and tens of thousands of people wherever Jesus went in that little country. And Jesus said to them, But but who do you say that I am? And again, some of the apostles hadn't gotten there yet they just quoted what everybody else was saying some of the apostles were saying you're john the baptist maybe we don't know but peter stood up and said you are the christ the son of the living god this is a watershed moment peter's confession he came to the point jesus was trying to get peter to and it's the point that jesus wants everybody to come to He wants everybody on this earth to come to the point where they, as Peter, would say in their heart of hearts, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is God. He's the one that raises from the dead. He heals. He casts out demons. He has power over nature. He forgives sins. He is God. It's funny. Thomas was in this group of apostles. He heard Peter's confession. But Thomas had not come to the point yet. And it would not be until after Jesus' death and resurrection that Thomas would come to his watershed moment. In John chapter 20, 24 to 29, we read this. One of the 12, Thomas nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus after Jesus rose and came to visit them, and they told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound of his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. Eight days later now. Jesus was on earth 40 days after he rose from the dead. And this time Thomas was with them. And the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be to you, he said. And then he turned to Thomas. And he said, put your finger here. And look at my hands. And put your hand into my wound in my side. And don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And what did Thomas do? Well, he came to that same watershed moment that Peter did. He fell at Jesus' feet and he cried out, My Lord and my God. He realized, Jesus is God. Jesus is his Lord. And then Jesus told him, Thomas, you believe that I'm your Lord. You believe that I'm your God. Because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And that'll be all of us here in this room. We're blessed if we come to the watershed moment in our lives where we believe as John the Baptist surely did when he received word back from Jesus, or just as Peter did, or just as took Thomas a little longer, but just as Thomas did. You know, as we come to these watershed moments, we too will be blessed if, when we accept Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so, God then wants us, and it's only natural, once we come to that watershed moment when we realize Jesus is God, we're going to want to proclaim that to people. All over the world. And that's what Jesus is wanting. That's why he sent disciples out in teams. And that's why he came to this earth to seek to save the lost. And he gave the great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But the problem is, you know, we live in this earth and so many things demand our attention. In Luke chapter 8 verse 16, Jesus addresses that thought. He said, you've got a light within you when you come to that watershed moment. When you come to that moment when you believe and know that Jesus is God. And if you know Jesus is God, then you'll trust him. Like Proverbs three five six 6 says, you'll trust him for your life. You'll trust him for life after death. Jesus said, if you believe in me, even though you die, yet will you live. And we can trust Jesus for that promise because he's God. And because he's God, we know that every word in this book that he chose to have in this book is true. And is all we need to know about life. But there's a, a problem, two problems that can beset us. Once we have that watershed moment, we can hide the light within us, the knowledge of who Jesus is, under bushel basket. That represents our work and making money and living and having to repair houses and remodel or uh, go to work uh, eight to five, five days a week, our jobs and so many other things, ambitions, taking care of families, our responsibilities. You know, it's real easy for the demands of this world uh, to conceal the light of that watershed moment. And then maybe we put the light under our bed. In Luke 8.16, the bed represents leisure and comfort. And that too can be a problem for us. No one after lighting a lamp, Luke 8.16, covers it over with a bushel basket or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. And uh, that's what we're to do with the light within us. I got a call from Sebastian just this week. uh, That gentleman from Germany I had a picture of earlier. And he said, Tim, I'd like to just get some thoughts from you. I've got uh, five things I want to accomplish this fall. Number one, I want to uh, enroll in Chinese classes to learn Chinese. His wife is Chinese. Uh, Number two, I want to enroll in graduate school. I want to get a graduate degree program. Number three, I want to start a business. Uh, Number uh, four, (laughs) what was that? Oh, yeah, and of course, I want to be involved in the fellowship. And he had another big, big, big thing, you know, that he wanted to do. And I said, and I had just read this passage that day, Luke 8. And I said, you know, Sebastian, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You know, I'm not going to say uh, what to do, but I will say this. Don't hide the light under a bushel basket. You may be finding there's not much light to see if you do all those things. And uh, he, you know, he did say, you know, I think maybe I should wait on graduate school if I'm going to start my business. And so he decided to scale back on a couple things, even in our phone call together. Uh, but that's what we're talking about here. Uh, we've got to be careful. We, first of all, we've got to come to that watershed moment. And by the way, if Jesus is God, Muhammad is not. He never claimed to be. If Jesus is God, Buddha is not. Buddha never claimed to be God either. Jesus did. Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Jesus, of course, proved that he was God. So, and in China... What we hear from Chinese people over there is, um, you know, that science is God. They believe in science. Uh, Or people may say, I believe in me. I hear that a lot in China, too. The students will say, I believe in myself. Just working hard and doing the best I can. I believe in me. But me's, people cannot cure diseases there's no China person I met that can raise anybody from the dead or have power over the storms I've not met any God in China even though there's people over there that say they're God they're their own God and they say the government's God many will say the government's God Uh, we'll let the government lead us and decide what to do and of course many are not are following each other they're following other people they let other people be their God And what Jesus is really wanting to bring us all to this point, though, where we realize he is God, there's none other. There's no other that is God but Jesus alone. And when we come to this realization of who Jesus is you know, and and that He's compassionate, and that He's powerful, and that He's got all authority, and that He wants a relationship with us, and that we're going to want to trust Him for our lives. And as we trust Him, our paths will be made straight, and He'll be glorified through our lives. So let's pray and ask God to lead us all, uh, opening up all of our hearts, all of our minds. It's really not a matter of evidence, it's abundantly there. It's just a matter within our heart of hearts. Can God take these veils off of our hearts to see clearly who Jesus is and to arrange our life accordingly? So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together and Lord, you are a great God, like we sang in this song, how great you are. There's none other that is God on this earth. No government, no person, uh, no science. You're the creator of science, and you're powerful over nature. Lord, help us see you for who you really are. Bring us all to that watershed moment that you are God. Like Peter, he fell at your feet and said, you are, you're, you're God, I, I'm a sinner. Please, God, forgive me, my sin. If we see who you are, we'll cry out for that forgiveness. Lord, just bring us the watershed moments. Help us see who you are. And in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, as... As the outgrowth of that realization, help us to trust in you with all of our heart and to not lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge you in every way, knowing that you'd be glorified and that our paths would be made straight. In Jesus' name, amen.